we'll get started this morning. Ephesians chapter number three. I titled this morning, uh, Who Left Jesus Out? Because I want to go back to what we were talking about uh, before December, before Christmas, about the satanic policy of evil and how Satan's working. We looked at that issue about the book of DNA and so forth. I want to, we're going to remind you of some of that and then we're going to talk about something because next week in our State of the Assembly address, I'm going to talk to you guys about a Bible project that I think we ought to take on. And then the next week, I'm going to tell you why we ought to be taking it on and, and, and look at some things. And this last year, in 2019, we did a seminar on the King James Bible and uh, about 24 lessons. So next, not next Sunday, but the next is going to be lesson 25. I, I, like, I like round little numbers and play little. So we're going to do that. But... Before we get to that, you need to understand something here. Ephesians 3, verse number 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, that uh, to the intent that now, under the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And as we stand and as we look at the truth and we, we, we begin to to understand it, and then we begin to proclaim it and to teach it and to talk about it. We do it for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray, amen. Verse 9 and 2 here, uh, I'm sorry, verse 9 and 10, 9 and 2. I, my mind is just raced through this whole morning, just so you know, so I'm trying to play rewind, you know, because i got a limited time with you, and I wanna, we got to get somewhere to a conclusion, okay? So we're just going to rev it up and go, all right? In verse 9 and 10 of chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. There's Paul's, there's Paul's thing about ministry. This is what I'm doing. Here's my push in ministry. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. We're going to do that too. Make all men see. We're going to put this on dis display we're going to put the fellowship of the mystery. We're going to put all that we are, who we are in Christ. We're going to learn about it. We're going to, we're going to study it. We're going to ingest it into our inner man. And then we're going to come over here and we're going to go live it in your life and where you live. See, you don't live where I live. Thank the Lord. Both ways, okay? You live where you live. You do the things. You think about things. You think about life the way you do. But you do it with, we both do it with who we are in Christ. Because who I'm in Christ and who you are in Christ are the same. Okay? I'm just as equally blessed as you are. You're just as equally blessed as I am. We're both complete. We have, we're, we're both justified. We're all, we're all sanctified. We're all glorified. We have all of that. Now we're just at different learning levels of what all that is. And we're going to go make all men see what is the fellowship of the ministry. All men. We're going to put this on display for the saved as well as the unsaved world out there. Because there are people that are saved who don't understand right division, who don't sit and study their Bible like you. I read an interesting article online the other day about the digital hymn book and where they run the hymns up on the screen and they're going away from a hymnal. Folks, you need to have a book in your hand. I know you like the gadgets. I know you like the apps and everything. We'll talk about some of this next week a little bit in the Bible Project idea. But you need to have a book in your hand. Good. I do. I understand the apps are easy, it's convenient. I got it, there's nothing wrong with it. 
But man, you need to have a book because when you read this book, you know who you're sitting across the table from? God himself. And you lose that when you move off to an artificial environment. When it's real, when you pick this thing up and turn the pages and you feel it and it's real. and You, you know how you know something's real? You touch it. You feel it. You're sitting across from God himself as he talks to you. Now, you can do it through the screen, I guess. I, don't, I can't. I tried. Okay? But here's the book. Here's the truth. What are we going to do? We're going to make all men see. We're going to proclaim the truth. We're going to demonstrate the truth. We're going to put it on, on display in the life that we share together, fellowship. The, that life we share together in Christ, we're going to put it out there as a local assembly into this community. You know that we need to be the best neighbors <laughs> these people have. And for the most part, we have been. We've had a few, eh, but for the most part. You need to be the best neighbor your neighbors around you have. Why? Because what are you putting on display? Christ. How do they interact? How do they come in contact with Christ? They're unbelievers. They don't even know they're sinners. They don't want to talk about God. So how do they, where do they come in contact with him? With you. Oh, Rick, you're putting me, no, I'm putting you, no, that's just the facts. Then he says in verse 10, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers, where? In heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Now we are going to manifest the wisdom of God, not only to man on the earth, but also all the way out to those heavenly places. And we've been looking at the satanic plan, that wisdom plan. He's got a secret. Comes along and tells Eve back there in Genesis 1 or Genesis 3, you know what, there's some things that God knows that you don't know, he don't want you knowing. But if you join me, I'm going to traffic my merchandise. It's a lie. I'm going to do what Romans 1 says. I'm going to turn the truth of God into a lie cause people to worship the creature more than the creator. So we're going to do that, and he begins to feed Eve a line, and Adam, and they take it. And basically what he says is, if you want the decoder ring, you need to be with me. If you want to know the crossword puzzle before it ever hits the paper. <laughs> you ever do that? I used to do that. I love crosswords the week after, you know. You get the answer key, and then you go back, oh, that's who that is, and fill it in. Hey, hey, I finished it. And they go, no, Rick, that's cheating. I go, hey, that's, ain't no cheating on that. That's the way it is, man. You know? He says, listen, if you want to know that, then you need to join me. I've got the secret. He says to him there in Ezekiel, and we've looked at this, he says, no, there's no secret that could be kept from you. You're wiser than Daniel. What did Daniel have to do to get the wisdom from God? He had to do what? Go to God. Satan didn't have to do that. Come back over with me to Psalms 139. Just review right now. We're just talking review. <laughs> Psalms 139. You see, folks, when Satan began to attack, he attacked 
when he began to move against Eve, when he began to move against humanity, when he begins to move against the nation of Israel and Israel's program, he doesn't bring up a whole calamity of things. Psalms 130, uh, 139. He just went and moved against God's word. Yea, hath God said. Did God really say that? And he will use that all through that principle, all through the Old Testament, all through moving with Israel. And, and guess what he then does? He uses it with you and I today. That's why when you come into this room above the double doors, there's a little placard that says, What saith the scripture? Because that's what we're going to talk about. Why? Because there's where we interact with who? God face to face. Psalms 139 here. Verse 15. Verse 14. Well, shoot. Verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, for thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. So David is going to describe man. Man's creation here. In the mother's womb, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. I love that verse. Fearfully and wonderfully, I, I fell yesterday, I hurt my shoulder. Popped out, we popped it back in, now it's stiff. And I go, Ugh, you know, and she goes, are you going to moan all day? I go, probably. You know, that's just me, you know. <laughs> it's, I guess it's a guy thing, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so, but what do I know? Give it a little time, and what's it going to do? Be stiff the rest of my days, I'm sure. But it's going to heal itself up. It'll fix itself. Why? Because we're wonderfully and fearfully made. You are created. You think about the systems in your, bi in your body. You think about the, s the cells and the atoms and the, all those things that be they get down into the biology of you, the genetics of you. Verse 15, my substance was not hid from thee, and the thee here is God. The thee here's the Godhead, they see it. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. D David is describing when God created man and how God wrote that book of DNA. In the lowest created, down in the dust, he takes Adam out and he looks at that dust and he forms that body. Satan goes, hmm, that's a different looking dude. He's up on two feet, not all four. And, he, and, and what does the Lord do? He gives him a soul and breathes in him and makes him a living soul and the spirit and all that. And what Satan misses was that inner man issue, that, that soul, that spirit. He didn't see that. He didn't understand that. He, didn't, he couldn't conceive of it. And, 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 and David here, verse 15, verse 16, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. I hadn't even been born yet. And what did you know? What did you know? You know what I look like. You know what I was going to, you know, the gray hair, you know all about me. You wrote the code. And when they start pulling out across that DNA code, you know what they find out? It's written in sentences. It's got punctuation in it. It's got a stop and a start. It's got a spiral like the spiral case of the temple, of Solomon's temple. It's got all this information. It's got ladders in it. It's got all this information in it. Where did that come from? came from the Father, right here. And notice verse 16, And in the book of my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. 
It was all predetermined there. That if this is what you're going to look like based on who? Mom and dad. Those 46 chromosomes. 23 out of each side. I, told, I showed you the XX. Did, did I show you that? Did I do that? Who's that in the chromosomes? Male or female? Who's that? Do you see who's missing? The rib is missing. <laughs> okay, figure it out. Come on. The rib. Yeah, ooh. Okay, the moans are great. You work on that. Figure that out. You see, folks, God wrote the book of DNA. He wrote you all out. I told you I was going to get them. <laughs> he wrote it all out. He said, here's what's going to happen. That's why when they take your blood and they run your DNA, guess what? We're all relatively close to one another. Why? Because we all go back to who? Adam. We all are there. We have different pieces, but we all run right back. God wrote a book. But God wrote another book, didn't he? And we have a Bible, the scriptures. And there's a fascinating comparison between the two. When you begin to think about the book of DNA and you begin to think about the book and both demonstrate that God is the creator. Both demonstrate his plan, his purpose, his will in his creation. They're both there. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. In the DNA, again, it's got that spiral we looked there in 1 Kings about the spiral staircase. We saw for, uh, 2 Corinthians 2. We saw last time that your body is called a temple. So you go to the temple and you begin to look at what sits in the temple. And you begin to look at it. You can take your DNA and you can open it up and you can read it like a book. It's not a mess. It's not disorganized. Uh, I told you, 2 Corinthians, hold there and go back to Ezekiel, just real quick. You know where it's at, Ezekiel chapter 2. It has a message in it, your DNA does, Ezekiel chapter 2. It's just like the Bible, it's got a message, it's got a person to it, it's got a DNA in it. It's got a genetic code to it. Ezekiel chapter number 2, verse number 9 he says, and when I looked, behold, a hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he, and he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mournings and woe. It's called a scroll. It's called a roll. Written communication. You take DNA out, you look at that stuff, you get up underneath. Now go back to 2 Corinthians 2. You get up underneath everything, and you know what you begin to see? Communication. All of the components, all the aspects. The book is the, the same thing. The Bible is called a roll, it's a scroll. You open it up, and you begin to study it, and you begin to look in what's in it. 23 times in your scripture is scripture referenced as a roll. It's very interesting. How that goes. So just as Satan reached in and corrupted the DNA of man through Adam and Eve. Romans 5. By one man, what? 
sin entered into the world. It got into the DNA code. When God told them in Genesis, if you eat of that tree, you're going to surely die. He wasn't talking about physical death. He was talking about what? Spiritual death. When God said, we're going to make them in the image of us, God is an Im God's image is one of light, Psalm says. He's clothed in light. Adam and Eve were light balls. They were, by the way, Lucifer, light bearer. It's interesting, light. Why? Because you're going to light the thing up. Here's the glory of God. It's light. There was darkness that moved upon the deeps of the sea. And then God said, let there be light, capital L. Not the daylight, but Him. He showed up in the middle of it and goes at it. Well, when Adam and Eve fell for the three-pronged attack, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, and ate of it, what went out in them? Their light did. Guess what goes out when you mess with the book? The light. Thy word is a light unto my path. It's a lamp. It lights up, doesn't it? You start messing with the book, guess what happens? The light goes out. Satan corrupted the DNA of man, so guess what he's trying to do now? Corrupt the written word of God. You're in 2 Corinthians 2. Flip over to chapter 3. Chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus Christ. Why? What's Satan after? Shut the light down. Let them walk in darkness, and spiritual darkness as well. Turn the lights out. 2 Corinthians 2, look at verse 17. So just as Satan corrupted the DNA of man, so it is now his move to corrupt the word of God. 2 Corinthians 2, 17. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. Notice, corruption, corrupting. By the way, Genesis 6. How did Satan corrupt the seed of man in Genesis 6 with Noah? Do you remember? The fallen angels came down and, became, and, and visited the daughters of men, didn't he? Messed with that genetic seed of the woman. Why? Because Genesis 3 said there's going to be a seed of the woman coming who's going to get you. And he says, oh yeah, I'm going to get the seed of the woman then. And he corrupts it. He messes it up. Now he's going to do what? Corrupt the word of God. Notice in the passage it's many. I love that. Even in Paul's day, there was an attack on the written word of of God. The attack is on what God said. Because God, Satan understands how God works in his creation. And he understands that it works that way by what God said. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And the... Oh... So much for the memory. That's the first steps of trouble, right? And the earth was without form and void, and darkness, there it is, was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the faces of the water, and God said. And down through that account of creation, it's what? God said, and, he, and it was good. God said, and it was good. How does Satan know it works? By God what? Saying something. 
God works in creation through words, through communication. Satan understands that. He went and corrupted it. In the Psalms, he says, the heavens are corrupted when God looks at the heavens. Think about that. The heavens, the Maseroth, the Zodiac, the 12 sections up there in the heavenly places that are there. Folks, they're real. Why? Because I can go out tonight with my Google app and look at them. Hey, there they are. Okay? But they were designed for God to communicate to earth what needed to be done. That's why he would look at Israel and not work off the sun, but work off the moon schedule. Why? Because it's a communication route. What would Satan do? Just Let's just corrupt it. So he gets up there, sells his plan to the third of the angelic host, and he corrupts it. It's gone. Now God says, turns to Moses and says what? Job, write it in a book. They can't communicate up there. We're going to communicate down here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You see, folks, Satan understands this. And he will come in, and he, is, he has come in, and corrupted the word. So that it won't have the power and the authority and the influence that it is designed to have. Just as he corrupted man's DNA, he's doing the same thing with God's word. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. Oh, what, what poetic words right there. Our gathering together unto him. That's a, what a, that's a better word than rapture. I'll be honest with you. It's a, that's a, our gathering together unto him. That ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as at the day of Christ is at hand. Notice in Paul's day, what are they doing? They're, they are troubled. They're shaking them up down there. They're shaking them in their faith. They do it by spirit. Notice the verse. They do it by spirit. They come in and they claim to be speaking for God. Then they do it by word, by a message that they're preaching and putting out there. Then by letter. They're counterfeiting God's word as by us. They come along and they're signing the letters with Paul's name just as if he wrote them. And they're saying, here's God's word. And guess what it's being found out to be? Not true. Not right. That gift of the apostle and prophet in that local assembly looks at that letter and says, no, this is not right. This is, script this is not scripture. It goes over there on the bulletin board. This is scripture and puts it in there. The word's corrupted. He's corrupting it. He's, he's causing... I, the thing in this passage is the way that that verse starts. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Folks, messing with the book does what to you? Shakes you all up, messes with you. Because now you're over here doing something and, and you just, you know, you're like, you're pulling your hair out. Because <laughs> something's missing. You see, folks, come back to Jeremiah 36. Jeremiah 36. I know it's Sunday morning. I know the ball games are on later, but we don't really care. Jeremiah 36. Maybe you do. I, if, yeah. 
Jeremiah 36. Just notice something here. You see, folks, the word's complete today. You and I sit at a wonderful time in human history in that we sit with the completed word of God in our lap. Israel never had that. They never had it. Israel was often gone when Paul completes the word of God. No one ever had that but you and I today, the church, the body of Christ. And we have a completed word, a word that's had everything in it that God wants in it. It completely and totally equips us for all the details of life, now and in eternity. So what is Satan going to do? Let's run a false flag up there. Let's run something phony up there. Jeremiah 36 is a great passage here. Verse 1, And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, that the word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, against Judah, against all the nations, from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. Take a, take a book, Jerry. Sit down there, and let's get to writing some things. And what I'm going to tell you, nobody's going to like, because it's against them all. I'm going to lay out now my wrath, the day of the Lord. I'm going to lay out some details here on you. And guess what they're going to do to you, Jeremiah? They're going to love you. They're going to hug your neck for it. No, they throw him in jail, man. They're going to get him. So he sits and he writes it down. By the way, notice all the nations, all of Israel, all. No one's left out of this bad boy. It's getting them all. Verse 4. Then Jeremiah called Barak, the son of Nerah, and Barak wrote from the now watch from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. You know what that's called? Dictation. <gasps> oh, now I'm going to have a theological hissy fit over dictation. Oh man! But that's what he did, didn't he? Jeremiah opened his mouth, spoke the words, and Barak is doing what? Writing that stuff down. No shorthand, by the way. He's just writing it down. Getting it done. All the words. By the way, that's how the book's produced. You go read 2 Peter 1. You go look in Isaiah 30. We've, we've done that. Look, Drop down to verse 16 quickly here. Verse 16. Now it came to pass when they had heard all the words. Uh-oh. <laughs> They were afraid both one of and another, and said unto Barak, What will surely we will surely tell the king all these words? We're going to take it to the king. He ain't going to like it because it's about judgment and captivity. It's not good news, is it? Verse 17. And they asked Barak, saying, Tell us how. I'm sorry, tell us now. How didst thou write all these words at his mouth? And then Barak answered them, He pronounced all. What a stupid question. You know, that's like they come off the field. Did I get loud in here? Okay, maybe it's just me. I'm always loud, I'm told. So I'm, I got to keep Bob awake back there. So, okay. You know how they, you come off the sports field and the reporter, so how you feel? You just lost. I, I just want one of them to say, you know what, I feel fantastic. It was a great day that we got beat. Thank you. So I just, because it's so stupid. How do you think the guy feels? Or the young lady. I mean, just That's what they, they just asked. How do we tell the king 
how, how did you write all this at his mouth? You know, Barak, he pronounced them. <laughs> Sarcasm, baby, gets them every time. Then Barak answered them, he pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Notice that. I didn't use pencil, because you can do what with pencil? Erase it. I wrote it with ink. By the way, that'll tell you that back then in these days, back in the good old days, they were not hillbilly bumpkin cave people. <laughs> they were very sophisticated. They had ink. They got paper. They, got, they have language. They got all that stuff. You know, it always cracks me up when you see these guys go, oh, they were just cavemen back there. I'm like, no, they weren't. Then said the princes unto Barak, go hide thee, and thou and, and Jeremiah, and let no man know where you be. Boy, you better go hide. Verse 21, they take the king to the, so the king sent Jehudi to fetch the roll. They show up with it. And the king sits and he reads it. He's got the fire going there in verse 22. Verse 23, and it came to pass that when Jehudi had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife, cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. He didn't just chop out words, add, delete, subtract. He destroyed it all. And he threw it and he burned it. Verse 27. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after that the king had burned the roll. By the way, he burned all of it. Now the king in, Jude, in Israel, they were to have their own copy. They were to go down to the Levites and make their own copy. They were to make their own copy of the law. He just burned it up. After that, the king had burned the roll, verse 27, and the words of Barak wrote, uh, I'm sorry, which the uh, words which Barak wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah saying, Take thee again another roll, and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll, which Jehoiakim the king of Judah had burned. Isn't that interesting? Don't worry about that original that just got toasted. You're going to rewrite it. And, and oh, by the way, you're going to add to it some things now. And he does. You see, folks, the original was destroyed, but the original is not the issue. You see, the issue is in the preservation of what the original said. That's why God uses that wonderful program called the multiplicity of copies to preserve his word. Not the original. When Moses came down off the hilltop with the Ten Commandments that first time and he busted them, the finger of God said, just come back up, bring two more stones, we'll do it again. <laughs> Ain't no big deal, guys. And he writes them again. You see, the, the role of the scripture, Satan was trying to corrupt it. Come back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And he's striking out. But yet he's getting it done. And he's doing it in such a manner that it's subtle. And it's where the attack comes on you and I. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. When you and I think about what Satan's doing as in, involved in attacking and corrupting the word of God, we always need to remember this passage, if you will. 2 Timothy 3 verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax 
worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. They're not only deceiving people, they are deceived themselves. Things folks are going to get worse and worse. And when they do that, they're going to come along with the plan to deceive. And they're going to be deceived, and they're going to be using some subtle things that are going to come along. I'm looking for something. Hang on. Verse 14. But content. So what do you do in the middle of that? What do you do when they're waxing worse and worse? What do you do? Well, you do verse 14. Continue. But continue thou in these things. So what are you going to do? You're going to continue, aren't you? Which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Let's do that. Verse 15. And from, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Salvation in one form there. Because salvation doesn't always mean unto eternal life. The salvation there is from verse 13. From the deceivers. From the guys who are waxing worse and worse. It's getting more subtle. It's moving. It's moving. What are you going to do? You're going to continue where you are. I read a thing the other day. This guy says, I'm born again. And I'm like, born again? And he goes, I know people say that over here, this and this and that, but I was, I, when I was saved, I, Paul says that I, I was born in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. So I'm born again. And I go, I go, what? You see, that's subtle. It's troubling. See, the subtle stuff comes right out of the playbook of, of the adversary. There's a simplicity in it. Salvation from the apostasy in the context. That's what he's talking about. Verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Notice in verse 16, all scripture is given. It's done. And when you begin to understand that, you know what you begin to do? You begin to catch on to how Satan is working. Because he's after the component that's going to perfect you. That's going to cause you to continue. When the scene gets worse and worse, what does he want you to do? Fall apart. Let it, let it overwhelm you. Paul says, no, continue in the things that you've learned. Continue there. Timothy, in verse 15, had a copy of the scriptures. By the way, they're holy scriptures. He didn't have the originals. Paul calls what Timothy had in verse 16, what? All scripture. That's what he had. Now, come back to Ephesians 3 with me. Because that, all that's reminder and intro, and here's what we're going to look at. Oy, oy, oy. I'm on page two in my notes. I got six pages. <laughs> uh, you got more cookies. All right. Look, if you will, at Ephesians 3 and verse number 9. Ephesians 3 and verse number 9. 
I got to get it over here in this book. Ephesians 3 and verse. I was looking for something else in this Bible. Ephesians 3 and verse number 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things. What's missing? Who left out Jesus? Do you know that every new Bible on the market leaves out Jesus in that verse? They remove, after created all things, by Jesus Christ is gone. In your New King James, by the way, there's, that's a subtle thing there. The New King James was, was written by Nestles and the boys because they needed a Bible that would move into our market. Because they knew that the Bible believers were rejecting the NIV, the RSV, the ASV, the BIB, the EVS, all, that, all those. They were. So they said, you know what we got to do? We got to get into that market. There's a market niche there we don't have access to. American Bible Society said, we're on board. Let's do it. So what are we going to do? We're going to take and we're going to make it the new King James. You don't want that old. You want the new one. Here's the new King James for you. Been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Is by and through different? Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. You see, folks, Satan is using a what? A little subtleness. He knows he has the religious crowd already in the new Bibles. Who's he after now? You and I. Now, you think about that. And when you begin to think about and you begin to understand that you know what's happening? They are leaving Christ out. Come over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. This is my favorite verse about this. You guys know that. It's a quote out of, out of the Psalms 40. But Hebrews 10 verse 7 is the easiest verse to see it. Hebrews 10, 7. Then said I, the Lord, lo, I, Lord, Jesus Christ, come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God, the Father. That's who's talking. What's the volume of the book about? Who's the volume of the book about? Him. Yet what do they do? They leave him out. You see, folks, there's, there's a very subtleness here. Just as he looked at Eve, just as he looked at Noah to to infiltrate the DNA, guess what he's doing to you and I? He's looking to infiltrate our spiritual DNA. Come over to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. You know these verses. I'm just reminding you. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 25. Matthew 1, 25. You ready? Matthew 1, 25. But kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he, and he gave him the name Jesus. That's the NIV, most popular Bible out there. Do you see something missing in that verse? You're reading it. Do you see something about firstborn? She's a virgin. 
the King James comes in and puts firstborn in there to do what? Protect the virgin issue. Leaving it out causes you to say what? She might not have, he might not have been the first, so she really might not have been a virgin. So now we're questioning what? The prophetic scriptures. Is he really the fulfillment of the prophecy? By the way, well, anyway, Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. Oh, by, by what I was going to tell you is in the New King James, there's a footnote on the firstborn son that says it can be there or it can't be. It's up to you. Okay? Some of the, old, some of the new text read a son. So what? I can figure it out for myself. Who did I just make the, be the final authority? Not this, me. I don't like it. Someone take it out. I don't want him to be. I want him to be something else. I just want him to be a nice guy, a good guy, a good man. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 1. Matthew 6, 1. We'll read it in the NIV. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen of them. If you do, you will have no reward with your Father in heaven. Do you see something that's missing? Be careful. What does the King James say? Take heed that you do your alms before men. You see, nothing about acts of righteousness. The new Bibles, it's alms. What are alms? Giving to the poor. But what is acts of righteousness? What is it? You can be whatever you want to be. But see, giving alms to the poor is a central component of the kingdom message. Because the poor are going to always be there. And they were to sell out everything and do what? Give it to the poor. See, the new Bibles come on and say acts of righteousness. When 6-1 ain't talking about that. Matthew 6 is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about the activity of the saints, the little flock, the believing remnant, in the kingdom, in the tribulation, and into the kingdom. Look down at verse 13. Verse 13, where he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? Okay. DNIV says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Footnote, or from evil, some late manuscripts have. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you know why in a Roman Catholic church they stop after evil and they don't finish the prayer out? Because it matches, the new Bibles match the Roman Catholic Bible. We're sitting in a, in a wedding one time. We went with Linda and her, from a lady from her work. Her daughter was getting married. We just went to support mom who was having a cow about her daughter getting married in a Catholic church because they were Mormon and we were there to help her out you're talking about a man okay woo so we're all standing there and they're doing the Our Father prayer so you know how you kind of get into it you know you sing along with the national anthem everybody's doing it so you kind of do it three quarters of the group finished the verse right the Catholics are looking around going yeah them goofy Protestants over there you know why because it's in our book it's not in theirs but notice, the Rome, 
the, the Roman Catholics leave out the after the evil there. Because they don't like that issue about bringing in a kingdom. They think they are the kingdom. Folk, subtle, Luke 2. Luke 2. Luke 2. I'm not trying to waste your time. I'm just trying to show you, you know, who got into this was the adversary. Luke 2.33. Luke 2.33. And if the volume of the book is written about the Lord Jesus Christ, then you know what we ought to do? Let's attack the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's get people to move away from who is he. He was born of a virgin, wasn't he? Are you sure? Positive? Luke 2.33. The child's father and mother marveled at what, he, what they said about him. Did the Lord have a human father? They say he does. By the way, your new King James has a footnote on there that you could say it was his father and not Joseph. Yeah, uh-huh. Come over to Colossians 1. This, folks, I'll be honest with you, this ought to make you mad. We're, and we're, we're just talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not talking about any... We're just talking about the one, Him. <laughs> the center of everything we do, say, follow, preach, teach. We don't preach ourselves, we preach Christ and Christ crucified. Colossians 1, did I tell you that? First four, Colossians 1, 14. Th this stuff makes me mad. Colossians 1, 14. In, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What's gone? The thing, the, through his, the thing that actually justifies you, his blood. By the way, your new King James guys, you got a footnote there too. Just FYI. <laughs> the message, have you ever read the message? <laughs> it's a Bible. It's a, it's a paraphrase actually. You ready for this one? You ready? Here's the message. God rescued us from the dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the, of the Son, who loves he, uh, he loves so much. The Son who got us out of the pit we were in got rid of sins we were doomed to keep repeating. He saved us from the deep, dark alleys. Like, oh, okay. How about chapter 2 of Colossians? Folks, you have fun with this, but I'm going to tell you what. It's very serious. Look at Colossians 2 and verse number 18. And this is probably the one that really you need to pay attention to. Colossians 2.18. The NIV says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and worshiping of angels disqualify you from the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen. And his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. Do you see how they take out that thing about seeing angels, that he hath not seen them? Do you know what you do when you see an angel? All through, yeah, you drop dead. All through scripture, angels bring the word of God. They're a communication, they're a messenger from God. So if I said I saw an angel this morning, and it wasn't my wife, Okay, then you know what I said I received? Extra biblical information. So you need to write this down. One plus one really does equal two. 
So saith the Lord. Now, who's got that written down? Just us 60, 70 here and the few people on the internet, and that's it. But in that extra bit, I said I saw an angel. Folks, again, we can do this on and on and on and on and on. In Matthew 5, they take out being angry with his brother without a cause. You go run over to Mark 3, where the Lord tumps the, tum, uh, the money changers in the temple, and, and anger is there, but he, without a cause, makes the Lord a sinner, makes him guilty of his own words. He condemned himself when he says that. But did the Lord have a cause to dump the money changers? Yeah. But if you take out without a cause, he's guilty. You see, folks, the, by the way, the difference in all of this is the underlining Greek text. That's what the difference is there. But what did 2 Corinthians 2 tell us? Go back there. And we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up here. I think you get the idea. Oh, you've got to read this one. Get, get 2 Corinthians 2. What did Paul already tell us? We are as many which do what? I'm sorry, verse 17. For we are not as many which what? Corrupt the word. When he says corrupt the word there, he's talking about getting into the Greek text. He's talking about messing with the text. Over in chapter 4, when he says we don't handle the word deceitfully, that's the issues of right division and doctrine. Here, what are they doing? They're messing with the text. They're writing letters and putting pen, Paul's name on it, and saying this belongs in the text. And the, the gift guys are saying, no, it doesn't. And they're saying, yes, they are. And they come up then and they begin to preach. And you know what they do? They cause this half of the room to say, yes, it does. This half says, no, it doesn't. And now what do we've got? We've got di disunion, division, when we should have unity and union. That's why those things about Mark and get rid of, you know, separate and all that stuff is critical. But it's only done in a local assembly setting. That's the condition of it. That's where the hurt feels when you have to tell someone you can't come around and be around and part of the fellowship. And I'll be honest with you, that doesn't mean that you can still, you guys still go have fellowship with the guy. No, it's done. Cut it off. He's got to, that's why Paul would say, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. If you're still meddling with them and hanging out with them and talking to them, they, they're not missing the what? The fellowship. They're not destroying the flesh. You just enable them. Yeah, but Rick, we got to be gracious. How'd that work for the Corinthians when Paul got a hold of them for that mess? This stuff's pretty black and white, folks. We just like to make it gray, and it ain't gray. It's black and white. Romans 13. Let's close with this one here. You see, folks, they mess with the book. They go back in 2 Samuel back there, and they take out the brother of and make someone else kill Goliath, okay, because they don't like the italics. By the way, in Genesis 1, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heaven, singular, right, and the earth. But in Genesis 2, 1, it says what? Heavens, Right? Do you know that the Hebrew word in both places is the same? And it can be translated heaven or heavens. Isn't that interesting? So it's not a, a 
problem in the text there. So then why do they put it in heavens plural and 1-1? And one, one? Because they don't know how to study their Bible and see what happened in chapter 1. What happened in chapter 1? We went from one heaven to three of them, didn't we? So they don't study it out. They just look at the Greek and go, oh, well, let's just, or the Hebrew Greek, and let's just make it all the same. Can't do that. Study it out. Look, just FYI. Romans 13. Look, if you will, with me at verse number 9. Romans 3, verse number 9. The King James says, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Okay? Verse 9. The commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor. Do you see one of them that they left out? The bearing the false witness? Because what do all those new Bibles do? They bear false witness. There is, by the way, there is a little footnote. Yeah, just an FYI. You go down to the New King James, and guess what they do? Thou shalt not bear false witness. Oh, footnote. Not found in some of the older text, which is a cop out. Okay? My point, folks, is, is what did Satan do? He corrupted the DNA of man. He seeks to corrupt the spiritual DNA of you and I. And he's going to come along, and he's going to do it subtly. And he's going to come along and he's going to use something that has never been seen before. And in our circles, it's called that New King James Version. Because while don't bear false witnesses in the text, what did they do to it? They put a footnote on it. You know what that means? They can't make up their own minds. They're they're fence sitters. They got one foot on one side and one on the other. And you know what happens to a fence sitter? They get splinters in places you don't talk about. <laughs> they can't make up their mind. Subtle. And what you and I need to be about is knowing that what do we have? We have the Word of God. We're not going to be led off into the darkness, into blindness. And we're going to stay the course. When we were at our facility on baseline for the years. I, used, I, I don't know how we got on an, an email or a mailing list, but we did. And I would get mail from the Bible publishers all the time, just all the time, Some, at the P.O. box. I mean, fill it up, just garbage. I was at literally going almost every other day just to get the junk out. And finally, I talked to the post office, and I said, you see these guys? No more. And they're like, oh, okay, we can do that. See these guys? Yeah, no more. <laughs> they're like, okay, Rick, what now? You know, I, One of the pieces, though, was a letter from the publishers. And it was a way for, the preach, for you pastor to make some money. And I'm like, really? This is, ought to be cool. I like making money. Woo! All I had to do was bring in the New King James Bible, sell it to my congregation, 
at $100 a Bible. Now, think about that. Of the $100, I got $75. I'll take two, he says. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know, he, he's kidding. The thing is, folks, is what, is that a, what did that just do to me? It just made me corrupt too, didn't it? Because now I'm not worried about your spiritual benefit. I'm worried about 75 bucks a head, a Bible, in my pocket. Then it says, we will help you convince your congregation with the media campaign and with all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there going, holy cow. 25 bucks they were going to get probably cost them three to make it in China. I'm sitting there going, holy cow. Better yet, when I got the information to move you to the NIV, it was $100, but I got $95 of the $100. Better deal is right. I did, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. The problem is, folks, is, is guess what? We won't be corrupted. Here's the book. That's what Satan did. That's what Satan's trying to do. And he'll use, maybe a couple of weeks I'll, we'll talk about the New King James. He uses a subtleness in it. Do you realize, I hope you realize, that the NIV, the latest current version of the NIV, if you go to the passage on Goliath and who slew his brother, Goliath, that has been fixed and corrected. Their Bible actually says Goliath, you know, so-and-so slew the brother of Goliath. You know Why? Because the people that used that Bible cried out and said, wait a minute, that's not right. We know it's not right. You need to fix it. So you know what they did? They fixed it. So guess what we have to do now, Pastor? We got to resell it to them at 100 bucks or whatever it is a pop. Yeah. Isn't that tricky? Anyway, I've kept you long enough. Just know that what is Satan doing? He's slithering in there. Okay. All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, that we have it, that we, your word you have exalted above your name. You've magnified it to us. You've given it to us. We were to study it. We're to love it and we're to enjoy it. And we're to apply it to life and we're to believe it so that all the praise and the glory goes to you and so that we're able to, in that day, stand and be accepted of you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand. We'll be dismissed.